This is the We Love Real Estate Podcast. My name is Sean and I love real estate. In this weekly podcast, we interview the top real estate investors and professionals who share their knowledge and expertise to help you become a real estate investing boss. So if you love real estate and want to level up your investment game, then you've come to the right place. And now, on to the show. We're going to be talking about how owning real estate lowers our taxes. So real estate investing is a great asset to own in your investing portfolio because of the appreciation, the cash flow, but most importantly, because of the amazing tax benefits that come with this kind of investment. So in this video, we're going to talk about the three ways that we currently use real estate to lower our taxes, as well as the other two ways that we can lower our taxes in the future. So the first one is we get to write off all the repairs and renovations that we do on our rental properties. So anytime we need to go into a property, make some repairs to make them rent ready, we can actually deduct those expenses towards our taxes. Now the IRS actually looks at repairs differently from improvements. So if you have a broken wall and you spend $1,000 to fix that wall, then you can immediately deduct that $1,000 towards your taxes this year. However, if let's say you are improving a bathroom or improving a kitchen and making it brand new, then you can't deduct that entire amount that same year, but instead you deduct it over like the lifetime of that particular improvement. Now this is pretty great because if you just own the property and you have those repairs, then you'd be fronting for all that cost on your own without any tax benefit. So if I live in this house and my AC unit broke and I have to fix it, you know, that's $3,000 out of my own pocket. But if I had a rental property whose AC unit broke, then that $3,000 that I spent over there goes back towards me because I get a tax deduction for it. So what's really cool about this is we used to live in a property in the Bay Area, but now that we've moved to Dallas, that property that I still owned is now a rental property. Now since making that home a rental property, we've added a new AC unit to it. We also fixed some of the plumbing issues with that home. If I was still living in that house, then that AC unit upgrade and that fix to the plumbing system would've just come out of my own pocket, but now it's a tax deduction. Now the second thing that we write off are miscellaneous expenses that come with owning rental properties. So anytime that we travel to a location to check out rental properties, or if we travel to talk to a property manager, or if we go to a conference, these expenses are actually deductible as well. So let's say I go there, then my tickets are deductible, my travel, right? Or renting a car or getting an Uber or Lyft. Also my meals, these are all tax deductible because we are going there for a business purpose. I read this amazing book by Amanda Hahn and her husband, Matthew McFarland, called The Book on Tax Strategies for the Savvy Real Estate Investor. And they talked about something called the sandwich method where you can go on a trip and as long as you schedule something at the beginning of the trip and something at the end of your trip, then that entire trip can be tax deductible. So for example, if I fly to an area to host a meetup and then I stay for maybe a week to go to a conference, then that entire week can be written off. Of course, use your best judgment on this. Don't fly somewhere and spend a whole month and only go to two events. Make sure everything you're doing makes sense, but as long as you are going there for business purposes, then for the most part, it is tax deductible. And the third thing that we use real estate for to lower our taxes is depreciation. So depreciation is where the government says that the life value of the structure of your real estate, the property that you own, will depreciate over 27 and a half years. Essentially saying that this building that you own will be worth nothing after 27 and a half years because the walls will wear down, the lights will go out, all that kind of stuff. Now in reality, as we know, real estate tends to appreciate over time. So the value of the properties actually go up over 27 and a half years, but the IRS allows us to deduct the structure's value over that 27 and a half lifetime. Now this is called a passive loss or a paper loss, and you can't use this paper loss to offset your active income. So if I have a full-time job, I can't use these passive losses to deduct from my full-time job income. But what it can do is it can actually deduct from my rental income. So as you guys know, we invest in 32 units and these properties do generate cash flow. But because of the depreciation, we actually don't pay that much taxes on the rental income that we get. 
So as an example for what depreciation looks like, let's say I bought a property for $300,000, the land is worth $100,000, and the actual home, the structure, is worth $200,000. So then you divide that $200,000 value by 27 and a half years, and that's how much we can deduct from our net cash flow every single year. So that number ends up being $7,272. Now, what is our net cash flow? So our net cash flow is the rents that we collect, minus our property management fees, minus any repairs that we have, minus any miscellaneous fees we might be paying, like utility bills or paying for the gardener, and also subtracting the interest costs that we're paying on our mortgage. So on our mortgage, there's a principal portion and an interest portion. So that entire interest portion is also deducted. You also deduct your property taxes and your insurance. So after all that's deducted, whatever's left is your net cash flow. And from that net cash flow, you can then subtract $7,200. $172 because of depreciation. So imagine doing that for all 32 properties and yeah, we basically pay very little in taxes on our net cash flow from our rental properties. So it's cool because the government is saying that we're losing money. In reality, we know that our property is actually appreciating over time. So here are the two ways that we can sell on taxes that we haven't done yet, but we can do in the near future. And the first one is a 1031 exchange. And the 1031 exchange is when you sell a property, instead of paying taxes on the amount of capital gains you've made by owning the property, you can instead roll over the entire amount to buy your second property. Again, as an example, let's say you bought a property for $300,000 and now it's worth $500,000. Normally, when you sell a property, you'd have to pay taxes on that $200,000 gain. Now that might be around $40,000 or so. So your total net would be four dollars that you can play with. But instead of having $460,000 to then buy your next property, you can use the entire $500,000. Now, of course, there are some limitations to the 1031 exchange. First of all, you only have a 90-day window to pick up to three properties or three different portfolios to go after. And then you have a total of 180 days to finally close on the property. With real estate, things don't always go as planned. And if you hit the 181-day mark, you're only one day late, then you lose your 1031 exchange and you, know, you do have to pay that 40 grand in tax. But the 1031 exchange is a great way Way to save on taxes because instead of having to sell a property, pay taxes, buy another property, let it grow, sell a property, pay taxes, etc., you can just keep rolling over your funds over and over again and end up you know, not having to pay taxes all the way until you die. And that brings up the second way that we haven't done yet, but we will in the future, is when you pass away. The beauty of real estate is that there's something called a step up in basis. And so what that means is when you pass away, all of the gains that you had when you were living and owning the properties are suddenly non-taxable when you pass them on to your heirs. So again, as an example, Let's say I bought this amazing portfolio when I was really young for only $200,000 and then 70 years down the line is now worth a million dollars. So I've made an $800,000 gain just from owning the properties. If I were to sell that portfolio the day before I died for a million dollars, then I would have to pay taxes on $800,000 worth of gains, which could be $320,000 or so. I'm guessing a 40% tax range here. So that means that my heirs would only be left with $680,000 because that's the net that I have after paying my taxes. But if I just wait one more day after I pass away and I give my heirs my $1 million portfolio and they happen to sell it that day, then because of the step up in basis, their basis is at $1 million, which means that if they sold it, then they have to pay no taxes on the property. Basically, we created generational wealth by me owning the property and passing away. The step up in basis is probably the most powerful way to transfer wealth from generation to generation. And all you need to do is hold on to your property until you pass away. So these are the different ways that we save taxes using real estate. If you invested in stocks, crypto, bonds, then you can't get many of these things here. Just because I own a stock doesn't mean I can travel 
and get deductions for it, unless I'm a majority shareholder of the company. Just because I own Apple shares doesn't mean I can take my MacBook and get it repaired and have that be a tax deduction. It doesn't work that way. There is no such thing as a 1031 exchange for stocks and bonds. Even though they're like kind investments, you cannot sell and buy stocks and get a tax write-off for that. And there's no step up in basis when it comes to your stock portfolio. There's no depreciation to be had with stocks or crypto. And there's also no step up in basis. So when you pass away, your heirs have to pay a pretty fat tax. So what are your thoughts on how real estate can lower your taxes? I hope you like this episode. You can find the show notes with all the links on our site, everythingrei.com. If you like the podcast, please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and telling your friends to listen as well. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.